Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 40, the big 4-0. That's quite the milestone, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I was. Um, it's pretty, pretty remarkable considering that we've been doing this for, what, almost two years now, I think come July, um, to kind of be still doing it, kind of having the, the, the guests evolve and uh, just the listenership and the support from uh, you guys, the listeners. So it's been a great ride and I'm looking forward to the next 40, the next 100 and just keeping this wave going. Yeah, you had a great chat with uh, with Veth last week, didn't you? Yeah, very timely one too. And he, he, I mean, that was one of the more enjoyable episodes. I mean, I enjoy them all, um, but just especially with the the circumstances, the time we're in with football coming back, Bundesliga, of course, um, resumed this past weekend, which we'll we'll get into at some point in this episode. But yeah, a great discussion. Even if you're someone who's not so much focused on the league itself, everyone likes prospects, everyone likes breakout stars, and maybe players who are um, going to be transferring in the summer, which he touched on. And even uh, we had a discussion on uh, Ralph Ragnick, who has links to my Milan. So if you guys haven't checked that episode out, please do so, as well as the other quarantine episodes, as Martino likes to call them. Uh, I think we're on maybe eight, eight, nine, ten, maybe. I think this may be the tenth one. So we've been staying strong and keeping that content for, out for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a time where people want more and more content, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, Matt, if you saw Jamie Carragher's latest challenge on Twitter. I haven't, actually, if you can enlighten me on that. He, he did, it, you know he's been doing all these challenges, right? Mostly Premier League-based. But I'm wondering if we can do one uh, on kind of like, you know, I pick my Premier 11, you pick your, your Serie A and see who wins. But basically, pick your ultimate 11... Uh, of current, manag- current players, right? Uh, wait, hold on. Let me let me let me just explain it. Manager yeah. who's been relegated from the Premier League, uh, but only using any relegated club once and any nas- nationality. So you need a starting eleven, and you need uh, and you need a Premier League uh, basically starting eleven and a manager. They have to have been relegated. They have to have been relegated with the club you select them, and they can't uh, they can't have been you, you can't have the same nationality. Um, and they can wow. have played for more than one relegated club. So it might, it's probably actually harder with Serie A because it's dominated, obviously, large, uh, more so by mm-hmm. Serie A, uh, by Italian players, but it could be an interesting one to do. Yeah, that, honestly, that I, think, I think we, had, we kind of had some, uh, some stumbling blocks, and I know our, our <laughs> listeners called us out on that for the, um, the pick-em five aside. I think that was another Gary, uh, was that a Gary Leonard or Jamie Carragher, whatever it is, challenge. Yeah. Um, about that, and we did that a couple weeks ago. That was very fun, but yeah, that was gave us some a couple problems because we had, I guess, two players from uh, the same nationality or same league. So uh, yeah, I, I'd I'd be willing to give it a shot though. I know it's probably taking a little bit more time, just because again, full eleven managers. There's a couple more uh, stipulations there, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Mm, awesome. Let's uh, let's see what we can do after after this episode goes out. But I mean, I, I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, we'll do a little round the grounds, round Europe. What's been going on? So obviously, Liga is cancelled. Matt, tell me about Serie A. What's the latest? So Serie A, it's um, I, we, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. I think in maybe two uh, when we kind of had our, our update episode. That was like the first update episode we had on like where the league stand. Where, which leagues are resuming the training and which leagues are kind of putting um, timelines on when they can actually work to get back on the field and have actual matches, right? Um, of course, we saw the Bundesliga resume, as we mentioned, and more leagues are starting to kind of loosen things up and, you know, kind of take those necessary actions to get back on the field. Uh, with Syria, of course, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned um, Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti uh, gave the players permission to train 
individually. Um, and then of course, the, the expectation being two weeks after May 4th, they'll have the opportunity to um, have full squad training. So that's been in line. Uh, the Prime Minister Conte has given permission for Serie A teams to resume full training um, from May 18th. So we're recording this on um, the 18th right now. So essentially this is what it is, is that we're getting that resumption back and we're, we're getting in position right now. I think I've been so far, we're checking off all the boxes, right? Without many, um, again, that at least we know of, um, any sort of concerns or any sort of difficulties amongst certain clubs to get these uh, players back safely um, in, in a position to play. So that's pretty much the situation right now. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some more details to come, but players are starting to go back to their teams from wherever they were located um, during the quarantine isolation phase. So it's definitely encouraging news, but of course it's a, it's a process here and we're, we're hoping that we can get um, Serie A football back by the June 13th targeted date, which is kind of the magic, um, you know, a day, if you will, their date on the calendar for Calcio fans to be looking at. Seems quite similar to uh, the Premier League and uh, mm. hashtag Project Restart, as they're coining it. But I'm going to talk a little bit about La Liga. Uh, I think pre- uh, La Liga teams can start group training from essentially today, uh, which is Monday the 18th with recording. So tomorrow this podcast will go out on the 19th. Uh, La Liga teams will already be training, uh, which is pretty interesting, group training. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty good, isn't it? I think uh, they've upped it to, I think, 14 people that can train at any one point, uh, which, is, which is, of course, under the, the guidance of social distancing. But that's another league that looks kind of maybe the next best placed after Bundesliga to come back before the Premier League and Serie A, Matt. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I, we all know that that kind of uh, the circumstances and the situation in Italy was very, uh, very much arguably. I mean, not, I don't have the numbers in front of me, the cases and all that stuff, and the deaths. But we all know the situation in Italy was very um, dire, was very difficult. And so I think you know, there's a good, there's an expectation that you know within a month that maybe fans can expect it. But I know even just some of the interactions I've had. Um, pet on just Twitter, just tweeting something things out about when we're going to get football back. Some people are, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where some people kind of have this thing in their head or in their mind that, well, people are still having cases. People are still dying. So we shouldn't have the sport back. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I know generally speaking, the joy I got from even watching the Bundesliga play, right? The circumstances weren't the, the, it wasn't your typical experience for football, your viewing experience. Mm. But it, you, there's no argument that when, when, when those games came on this past weekend, that everyone was on Twitter tweeting, everyone was having a discussion about players, you know, mm. Holland talking about Sancho, Gio Reina. Everyone was very much enjoying the experience. And I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to try and get used to. So I know in the initial phase right now, it kind of seems like, well, there are bigger things, more important things and more pressing matters to attend to than football and getting players back on a field because most of these guys are still getting paid. And I understand that. But I think we talk so much about sport, how it's, such, it's the ultimate unifier. And I think if you can get something like this back for Serie A fans or if you could get La Liga fans to have their game back on, even if it's not in attendance, I think it could start to brighten up a lot of people's day and actually get people in a more, little bit more healthier mindset and a little bit more um, – enjoyable mindset to the point where they say even if I am cooped up at home for a little bit longer I can still get some enjoyment from this and still rally around this um, because we all know this sports is it's so beautiful and it's it's ultimately the biggest sport in the world so that's just how I view it but you know as far as getting back to the league and in my league of resuming I think it's certainly possible that they'll resume probably before the Premier League Premier League excuse me 
and Serie A. Um, mm. If again, of course, everything goes according to plan. I mean, it's also the creeping return of normality, isn't it? And I think people right. often overlook the fact that football employs a lot of people, right? Right. It employs a lot of people. You know, we're talking, I think one of the last figures was like 50,000 people across uh, across um, across Europe, which is quite a, quite a fair few, you know, if you consider every single, every and single you, club. And, or maybe and, it's only and, in the Premier and, League. I don't know. And the thing I, and the thing I look at too is someone who's just, I mean, we put this at a human level, right? Um, you know, everyone, not everyone understands everyone's circumstances, right? So there's some people who are, have to have the luxury and the ability and the, the blessing to work from home and still get paid. Some people are furloughed. Some people got laid off. I know the situation in the U.S. is, you know, unemployment's ridiculous right now. And even getting claims in um, is, is really uh, proving to be difficult. So I think, yes, we can look at it and say, well, football being back, you know, it, we, we shouldn't rush, you know, there are cases. I, I understand that. But for the common you know, steward, for the common um, person who works at, uh, as security on the field or the, the upkeep for the, for the pitch, they could have a family. They don't have a job. I know some teams have done a really good job of keeping people paid and keeping you know, that income coming in. But people need to have that livelihood. They need to have that paycheck to support their family. So I, I don't want to sit here and, and assume that, like, yes, you, it would make sense, right? Everyone should be healthy. We should have fans. That's the way it should be. I get that. But no one knows everyone's situation. And I think at the end of the day, people need to just be, um, have, have some sort of empathy and understanding and compassion for that. So with that in mind, I mean, I think if we can get people back to having their normal jobs, getting paid, doing their day to day, without kind of compromising on the safety of the players and everyone involved, then I don't think there's, there's much of an issue. I don't think there should be much pushback, in my opinion, at least. I think I got that stat horribly wrong. I think in La Liga alone, it's 185,000 people. If, if so I'm there correct, you go. That's in, one in, in professional football uh, in 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 Spain, so uh, that's a lot of people. From what I was just searching up, but you know, it's it's a lot of people. But it's also we, we talked a little bit about how important it is for the top five leagues to kind of stand up strong because you know mm. we we talked I think a little bit about um, the likes of Belgium, the likes of Switzerland, the likes of Turkey. Uh, maybe not mm. Turkey so much, but these. Uh, countries and clubs uh, in Portugal, for example, that literally survive from um, from sport. yeah from the top five leagues buying their right. players, and then we take it one more step back, right, uh, Matt? The players from uh, Portugal, where are they coming from? Well, they're coming from uh, you know they're coming from South America, they're coming from Africa, like all these clubs. The knock-on effects of those, like those academies, like uh, you know the South American. Um, uh, club that you know, James Rodriguez came from to Porto uh, after you know uh, that move, and then to Monaco. Look, how, how much money did they make from just that player's career? There's a there's a lot of these uh, nuances that people I don't think have considered, and the massive knock on effects of it uh, economically for all these jobs. But I th- think we'll talk a little bit more about that because we're going to have a, a transfer segment at the end with uh, a really interesting transfer that I want to get your thoughts on. But the sure. Premier League, I think we, we discussed uh, from tomorrow when this. Podcast as Tuesday, uh, teams can train in groups, which is a, is a big step. I think a lot of players have been going in this weekend to get tested before they restart training this week, which is a big step. And I think the the, the date that they want is twelfth between the twelfth and the nineteenth is when they're kind of eyeing up their first fixture. So very similar, almost parallel to Syria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in Premier League is going to be it's really, obviously it's a really fascinating one too, right? Because it's obviously you know everyone was having their eyes fixated on how the Bundesliga handled everything. You know, you saw all the matters being taken, but I think we all know that Premier League most would agree that it's the 
biggest league in terms of viewership, attention, um, and, and its worldwide audience, right? So when you kind of throw everything in there, I know Liverpool fans especially, they want to get back as soon as they can get back, the quicker they can get to the podium, right? The winner's podium for, for their, for their uh, Premier League title, which looks like they're going to win barring a massive collapse. But, um, <laughs> be pretty but, huge. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the kind of the, uh, the effect that has on it, right? Because I think we already saw um, in a, just a small sample size for one match day, how many people tuned in for the Bundesliga and how much that kind of just elevated the overall, um, uh, I guess, the, the feeling that people currently have towards p- teams coming back. It, that is like, okay, like I could see this. And I, I, it's funny too that, I, that we're talking about this and, and how it is being compared to certain American sports, right? They had, I was watching ESPN um, this morning and they talked about how the NFLs look maybe looking to emulate how um, the Bundesliga or how European soccer, European football um, gets their restart back because though in many ways they're very similar, right? Big, big field, big audiences and, and all that stuff. It's not the same as but basketball with baseball. There's some different nuances. So I just find that also fascinating too, is that how the, the, the reaction to this whole uh, restart for uh, the Premier League and some of these major leagues is being closely monitored by major U- uh, U.S. markets and media um, as a way to say, okay, well, maybe it is possible, right? Because I think there's so much uncertainty with the U.S. Um, given the situation that if they can find ways to take from um, how Europe is, is handling this and these big leagues, I think they can maybe kind of change the dynamic and change the overall approach that um, some of these owners in these leagues um, in, in the U.S. handle things as well. So I think the Premier League is going to be even more of a, um, a, a, a barometer, if you will, of how we can ultimately get everyone back um, in terms of these sports, at least, um, at, at, to somewhat of a normal uh, state. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people were, were kind of saying, oh, well, what if someone gets infected uh, in the Bundesliga? And I think that's already happened in a couple of clubs and definitely in the, the Bundesliga too. Um, and people have kind of talked about what the effect of that is. And it's kind of stood that kind of litmus test uh, well. Uh, it's withstood that quite well. So I think the Bundesliga is going to, you know, uh, touch wood, get through the rest of their season kind of unscathed. But, you know, you, you never know what could happen. And again, we're, we're not health experts. We're not public health experts, guys. We, we, we don't really know. But from what mm-hmm. we can see, it looks like that is, that is the case. But what did you think of the, the, the games, Matt? Did you get to watch any of them? I did, yeah. The, uh, obviously, there were some big fixtures. Uh, obviously, you know, full slate of games. So there was definitely a, a lot of football to keep us occupied, which is very um, refreshing after several months of nothing. Uh, just a lot of replays and stuff. Some good replays, some bad replays. I don't want to see uh, the 2005 Istanbul uh, match any longer. I just don't want to see that. But, um, yeah, as far as the Bundesliga goes, uh, Borussia Dortmund-Schalke, uh, big derby match. So that was a great way to start my Saturday um, of course, Borussia Dortmund uh, thrashed Schalke, Erling Holland back to scoring ways. Um, there was a couple, uh, Jadon Sancho was a scratch before the match. Gio Reina, of course, we talked about him in the previous episode with Manuel Veth. And he's a highly touted American prospect, very young, very promising, has scored some big goals and had some big moments already at a young age for Borussia Dortmund. He was supposed to take his place and get his first official start for Borussia. Um, and of course, he was a late scratch. And then you have Thorgan Hazard, of course, the brother Ed Hazard. And pretty much he, the, third, the third string winger on the day, he gets a goal, nice goal and a nice assist for himself. 
Um, again, of course, a great performance from Borussia Dortmund. No fans there, of course, but um, you know some some memes, some gifts of Erling Haaland's celebration <laughs> and how that was being that was a, a very important thing to watch watch too, right? As how the players kind of interacted, um, how they uh, you know, moved about the pitch and all that stuff when the certain moments where there is a lot of contact typically occurs. So I think overall that was a, a really great match uh, to watch, even if you're someone who just got into the Bundesliga and you were um, anticipating this restart. But um, there were some other bigger performances too. Borussia Mönchengladbach played well. Um, I know Frankfurt um, had a difficult time as, as well. But there, there were some there were some upsets. Uh, Leipzig almost got upset. I think they had a goal yeah. called back by VAR very late in that one, so they had to settle with a draw. But there were some very good fixtures and some very good performances. I think there were certain elements that were sloppy. Um, of course, like Bayern Munich, they got the victory. Lewandowski scored again. I think he's got forty five straight seasons of forty plus goals, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and I think he's the only player, um, he's the third player with Messi and Ronaldo to have done that for five straight years, which speaks fine as, as to the year he's having. But I think in general, I think most, what we saw on display um, from the atmosphere or lack thereof, frankly, because obviously you can't expect much without fans. And we all know the yellow wall is one of the biggest um, you know, displays in, in sports, in my opinion. Uh, the fact that we didn't have that obviously was a little bit weird at first, but I think this is, could be somewhat of the new norm or the temporary norm. Mm. So I think fans are understanding of that. If they can get their sport back that they love, albeit without fans, and they can still watch it at home and tweet about it, have all this interaction and create this content around like we're doing here, I think it's a, it's a, a good compromise and something that keeps everyone safe, engaging in the sport and happy for the time being until things return to normalcy. But overall, I enjoyed week one, and I know um, you know the – not week one, but the week weekend one of the restart. And I know <laughs> even next weekend, the Bundesliga has a uh, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund as well. So the games keep coming. And as we get towards that June, that, that magical month of June, the first week or second week of June, then you can start to see a more full slate and you can at least see they, you, the, all the leagues back and rolling, hopefully, if things go uh, according to plan. Yeah, I think it's you know it was never going to be top quality football, and I think people right, have underestimated there that. There are certain players like in some injuries, yeah, some sloppiness to defending. But like, they haven't played for two yeah, months. I get that. Yeah, it's it's like imagine having the normal summer break and then no preseason. Like I, right. I know players would have uh, trained individually. Yeah, they have their own fitness it's coaches, etc. It's a bit it's different. Running on a treadmill in your own yeah. condo or your own home is different than running at full speed after a player and dribbling the ball. Yeah. Like, Exactly, exactly. And I think, to be honest, like the the Haaland finish, I don't know what you thought about that, but some, some people were tweeting that it was an easy finish. <laughs> it wasn't. Man, I don't, I don't know how many of those people have played football before because that is not an easy... To, for the ball to come across your body and to put it literally like inch for inch right in the corner, not easy. And the ball was hit with no. pace by Hazard as well, the cross. Yeah, no, it was. And, and just I just want to quickly comment, too, because obviously it's, it's Erling Haaland season right now. Everyone's talking about him. <laughs> um, he's the big name this, this, in this uh, calendar year of football. But Julian Brandt was fantastic oh, yeah. in the midfield. I don't know if you, you saw his performance or where I've seen kind of the, the general reaction to it, but he was fantastic. And yeah, the there was some good the displays. There was some... such class, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. There was, there, was, there was some great displays. There were some little bit more suspect displays, but I think that was kind of expected. So overall, I think after another week under their belt, I think you'll start to see a little bit more sharper play and you know, some things ironed out and ultimately a uh, better product or at least the pro- somewhat closer to the product that we saw before this topic because as I spoke with Manuel, this is probably the best and tightest um, title race 
So I think if that can kind of keep going, I think it's going to make it that much more exciting to watch. Again, of course, without the fans, it's a little bit more difficult because they play such a fundamental element into the experience of the overall enjoyment that we have. But at the same time, I think if, you know, so far so good for a weekend one, and I'm looking forward to uh, tuning in for next weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great fun. I mean, there's a, there's a great game on tonight. Leverkusen, Viveta Bremen uh, might tune mm-hmm. into that one. You know, it's, it's football. It's football some big games too. Some, some big yeah. games in that match as yeah. what we discussed in the Havertz, previous episode. So. The RB, uh, you know, a few other guys. Paulinho. That, uh, Paulinho. There's a load of players. Leon Bailey. Could... I, don't, I don't know. I haven't been following him much, but even like Leon Bailey, like I, I know we're not, I don't want to get too much into players, but like he was a hot name a couple of years ago. Whenever mm. like his allegiance, like was he going to play for Jamaica, England? Yeah. And now I don't know. It feels like he's kind of like one of those lost talents in that whole mix. But that yeah, it, the Leverkusen are another fun team to watch, and it just goes to show you how much depth in numbers this this league has. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be some great football over the coming weeks, and then hopefully it takes us into kind of mid June and other leagues start. But let's see, uh, Matt. We're going to finish off with some uh, transfer rumors, and the craziest one that's come out, and it's been uh, reported by some pretty you know high profile people. I mean, uh, I guess the uh, Juventus kind of focal point uh, from a um, transfer rumor and paper talk perspective I think uh, you can probably speak to that a little bit better than I he came out with the story that Barcelona and Juventus are pretty close to agreeing what would be one of the craziest swap deals I've ever seen in football it would be uh, Ruben Semedo from Barcelona going over to Juventus for a combination of Pjanic right so this is Miralem Pjanic Desiglio and 22 million pounds I mean that seems ludicrous doesn't it 100 percent i think you know but, but it's Nelson from pretty Semedo pretty high up it's from pretty high up sources though isn't it matt it is i think it's one of those things where like it kind of seemed like a classic case of it being just like, like a laughable quarantine rumor because like okay we'll need something to talk about let's kind of throw this out into the to the air and see how much it sticks but now you're looking at it and you're like wait this isn't really going to happen but it's funny to be that we're talking about this now right because i think in the previous episode or two previous episodes um we talked about, you know, the impact on the market, right? I think we had that, we had that conversation with Harry and how, you know, mm. a lot of swap deals, that's a possibility. So maybe this is kind of a, a precursor or somewhat of a preview um, as what we can maybe expect. Now, of course, I'm looking at this and I'm as a Serie A guy and I'm thinking, wait a second, like I've watched Matti Dicillo. I watched Pjanic. I know Pjanic is a good midfielder and I know he's highly sought after by Barcelona. There was a, um, a, another swap deal scenario that may not be happening because of this, if this goes through, uh, was Pjanic for Arthur, right? Um, midfielder for midfielder. Yeah. Um, but I'm just looking at kind of the players involved, the money involved. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this doesn't add up. How, how much Semedo do you think, how much to... do you think Miralem Pjanic is worth? Well, here's the thing is that he's, <laughs> I think he's obviously good, very good midfielder. I don't not, I'm not going to say he's world class. I think, Think there's potential in him as a as a to be a top midfielder, and I think he's got some good years left in him. But he's kind of in, in that era area of his career now. He's in the 30s, 31, and not saying he can't be as effective, but I think Juventus fans probably expected him to be a little bit more further along and to be a little bit more of a better player. Because if you recall, he came from um, Lyon and then he went to Roma, and he was a little mm. bit more of like a playmaker, a little bit more forward. Yeah. And then as he went to Juventus, he kind of became that more deeper player. So I'm not saying he's he's not a work has world class potential because I still think he could be very very good for a team like Barcelona, but 60 million I think if that's the kind of the magic number that's being floated around because um, I 
I'm kind of adding the numbers up in my head right now. <laughs> a little um, what's that? That there was like that 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 gif that that goes around from um the Hangover with uh, yeah 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 with, the with all the numbers and stuff. Yeah. Right, you're kind of like adding it up. Like this doesn't make sense, right? But I think he's I think he, obviously he's the he's the the big piece in that in that possible trend that possible deal. So I think I mean I wouldn't put him at sixty, especially in this this market, and especially the fact that he hasn't been as good as he has in previous years. I would say something more like forty. But again, mm-hmm. Barcelona running money, right? Barcelona just tends to overspend and pay a premium on certain players. Felipe right? Coutinho, uh, uh, Usman Dembele, you know, players with talent, but mm. $120, 130000000 million players, million euro players, I'm not too sure. But just mm. off the top, just kind of at face value, looking at this possible deal, um, again, it's still not certain. I do believe there is interest. And I know uh, many uh, time media members can confirm that the there is kind of discussions. There's players that interest each club on both sides. Um, it just the way I see it, I'm like, no, nah, this this would be just a ridiculous move. And I think for Juventus, um, I, I wouldn't quite sure understand. My guess is it's just strictly to shed contracts, to shed salary, so mm. they can make a, a bigger move. It's creative accounting, um, isn't it? Right. It's it, exactly it's exactly it's exactly the case. And I think you're going to see more cases like this, right? Where if they can, you know, and I and I tweeted something out. It's funny too. I tweeted something out a couple of days ago. Um, about Juventus is kind of their wage structure. They have so many of the top paid guys, and there was, mm. there was rumors about Adrian Rabio going to Everton, right? And they signed him on a free transfer, but a lot of these free transfers that they've, you know, inked to deals over the past handful of years, Sami Kadira, Matuidi, Aaron Ramsey, I know he's your boy mm. there. They've and they've extended Matuidi as well recently, right? And they extended Matuidi. So you look at all the, I think they're, they're going to really try to work to reshuffle their, their wage bill. Maybe they're looking to move Pjanic out to make a big, big move for Tonali. That's a big possibility. He's very much linked to Inter. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is kind of the, the norm on the market um, and how we can at least expect certain teams to move. Hey, like I'll give you one player. I just don't have any use for You need a fullback, right? We all know Juventus. They did that with Jao Cancelo, what they got him from, uh, from Inter. Well, after his Inter loan, they got him, they bought him outright and then they sold him to the city. Uh, you know, so maybe it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, I'll take your excess baggage. If you take these guys and kind of balance the books out that way versus just straight on 60, 70 million, Euro splashes on players, so mm. I think the way I see it now is it just seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, I, I we we don't know have all the details. Uh, obviously, maybe Juventus are getting you know the ability or the access to a youth player, right? That's a possibility. It happens pretty often now. Maybe it's not as disclosed or as public, but a lot of times that does happen where there's those relationships, that synergy versus hey, we'll do this deal, and you have access to get one of our players or youth players at a, at a cheaper rate. So. We'll have to see how that happens. Of course, as the leagues restart, you'll probably see a little bit less transfer rumor stuff and more so focus on the game itself. But we really don't even know when the transfer market's going to open. So it's just, mm. it's just something to keep an eye on. And I'm sure this one will uh, continue to have some, have some sort of momentum. Excuse me. So talk to me about um, Matar Desiglio, because for me, whenever I've looked, watched him, he looks a very awkward player, a decent 1v1 defender, not very good on the ball. If he goes to Barcelona, will we ever have had a more average player play for that many high-profile clubs? I don't. I don't know. That's that's a really good question because I would have to <laughs> ultimately look like I look at you. Look at the the Wikipedia page of certain players, and you almost get fascinated by like 
like even a guy like Kevin Pitts Boateng and nothing against him, but like you look at all the teams he's played for, like that Barcelona move, he's played for um, AC Milan, he's played for some pretty big clubs, right? He played in the Premier League. So like and for a player who's like has had a good career, but by no means was he ever like a world-class star player. And Matias Chilio, I think that the thing that kind of hurt him the most was that coming up through Milan's youth academy um, during, you know, their banter era, which you can make a case is still going. At the be- very <laughs> beginning of it, there was a lot of hype and promise around his name as like the next Maldini, right? So that's a lot of pressure to put on him um as you know he's italian he plays the same position and he's from milan the, the youth academy and he's had a couple good seasons in the very beginning but you could start to see that he really wasn't kind of progressing further he obviously made that move to um to juventus in that kind of that leonardo Bonucci swap deal that that occurred so he's a player that hasn't really taken off i think he's had occasional games where he looks okay but i think everyone would agree that he's just not a top a player that belongs at a top club or at least having uh, uh, an influential role at a top club and you there's someone put out a video of like his mistakes and stuff like that and it's like you can make any player look bad or good or better or worse than what they actually are but I think the general uh, perception of Mati Dishio is that he's just not Barcelona quality so with that in mind why would they want him i understand they're getting pianich and that deal on some cash so it just seems to me that's more of a contract thing but then again why would juventus want nelson Semedo? like <sighs> if he's not really that effective of a player for them i understand that but then to each his own some some teams some coaches can find a way to get into a tap into a player's potential right same thing can happen with you know like we saw with jack Cancelo. everyone kind of killed juventus for making that move because like is a great attacking fullback and with the city, he's really not playing that much mm. for a guy that most people thought he would be like perfect fit for at, with uh, with Pep Guardiola. So it's a whole interesting thing. But again, just looking at it, it just looks really, really awkward. It looks like something that you would you know, kind of configure and put together in like a FIFA game and say, "I'll give you these three <laughs> players, and you do force trades, and you get your guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's really weird. I can only think of it as if the Ciglio, the Siglio, and Pjanic have really big contracts which I don't know why the former would, but let's say, I don't know, Pjanic is on 150 to 180,000 euros a week. Uh, and let's say the Shiglio is on like 80,000 euros a week. That means you're shedding about 220, 230 euros, a uh, thousand euros a week. Um, and Semedo comes in at like 50, 60, but you also give Barcelona 22 million uh, pounds. This is creative accountancy at its finest. I mean, if you guys haven't followed uh, the Swiss Ramble, which I think we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, yeah. mm-hmm. the way that that guy dissects like loads of teams' finances and the way you can use accounting to kind of make it seem that you have more money or less money than you actually do, then definitely follow that. And the second up, I've got a follow-up question for you, Matt. Pjanic going, right? So that's one big, um, or if he goes, that's a central midfielder and that's a big mm-hmm. contract off the table. Um, the Shiglia going, obviously that would be kind of a straight swap with uh, Semedo, so that position would kind of be filled by him. Does this open up the Paul Pogba conversation again? My last question for the show. If it happens. It does. I think, I think most people, you know, I think there was legs to that rumor of that possible reunion last summer, right? I think, but Manchester United, were, you know, they were looking to, you know, get Paulo Dybala, that, that, you know, didn't materialize. Obviously, Juventus were looking at Romelu Lukaku. He went to Inter. So I think there were discussions there. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a reunion at Juventus. We all know, again, Paul Pogba has a great relationship with, um, 
with Paulo Dybala, uh, obviously playing with a champion like Cristiano Ronaldo. You have a team that's built to win right now. Um, they're in first place in Serie A. So it, why wouldn't you want to go there, right? You know the league. You know, if you're familiar with it, you've had success. It's a big club. Um, and then, of course, there's the interest with Real Madrid, with Zidane, uh, you know, that next Galactico move, if you will. Um, of course, we don't know. We have to wait and see how Real Madrid look to operate on the market. Um, maybe Gareth Bale is a player that sold. Who knows? He's living in Madrid. He's getting paid a ton. I know probably the fans hate him, um, but he somehow, some way, seems to be still pr- pretty productive when he does get the opportunity. But I think there is definitely some some legs to a reunion at Juventus. I think he's a player that, you know, as a Milan fan, I, I even very much enjoyed, right? He's got all the tools. And I think it's kind of fascinating to um, see how many people are just kind of like really, really down on him as like a class midfielder. Like, I think he's got the potential at, the, at his age, 26, 27, to quickly join a team like Juve or Real Madrid, be, get back on form, and then just have another big impact at next summer's Euro. So, like, I think it's definitely a possibility. And there maybe this is one of those things where I think Juventus are just trying to kind of, uh, you know, be a little bit more proactive and diligent in kind of realizing, hey, like, we have some bad players we got to get it rid of before we can anticipate or even consider making such a big seismic uh, investment in getting Paul Pogba back. I mean, there's interest, again, of course, in Tonali. I'm not saying that. But we all know that the numbers for Tonali and the numbers for Pogba will be much different talking 40 to 60, 45 to 55 million for Denali. And you're talking upwards of a hundred, which is kind of what they sold him for, for a guy like Paul Pogba. When you have Ronaldo's wages on your wage, but you have guys like Gonzalo Higuain, who makes a ton of money and is very difficult to move at this point in time of his career, right? We saw what happened last summer. Mm. And you start going through all the players, Adrian Rabio gets paid a lot. Aaron Ramsey gets paid a lot. Then there was discussions or some hypothetical scenario about, well, hey, we'll give you cash and Aaron Ramsey to Manchester United to lower the fee or the asking price to get Paul Pogba back. So I think Juventus have a little bit of flexibility there, and that's the luxury they have with players who um, they have that depth so they can kind of spin certain players around. But, yeah, I, I do think with, with this deal, getting back to the Pjanic, the Shiyo, Cash for Nelson Semedo, I think that definitely has something that's, you know, it plays into that, is that they're trying to get their books in a little bit more friendlier position, more healthier position, to make those sorts of acquisitions because if they don't win a Champions League with Ronaldo, I think they're going to look back and say, we didn't quite do enough in that midfield to really bolster it. So it's going to be very fascinating to watch, but I just want to make one more point, Pat, before, before we kind of wrap up mm. on this part of it. We talked about, um, you know, structuring the books and the finances and, you know, kind of, you know, giving, you know, one, one bad player, combining all the wages and then giving it to this team and making it work that way. It happens a lot in American sports. It happened with, um, you know, with, with the Red Sox a couple of years ago. Uh, not a couple years, well, maybe like six, seven years ago. Um, they got a lot of their bad contracts that they signed one or two years into like a seven-year deal, sold them, gave them to the Dodgers, and then they were able to have that flexibility to get the players they needed to win a, win a World Series ring. And, you know, sometimes it does happen like that where it's saying, hey, we'll give you this bad contract and we'll give you some cash or we'll give you like a good prospect to take that bad contract. So it's not so far fetched that that's maybe what's kind of playing into the minds of uh, Paratici and, you know, the Barcelona brass in in structuring this deal. Because I think that's we kind of can't rule something like that out, given how um, uh, complex the the financial uh, side of football is right now 
Yeah, I think it's certainly, you know, going to be interesting. I don't know, you know, we talked about Ramsey, Manchester United, that kind of swap. I don't know why United would take on a 30-year-old, really injury-prone. Player who can't stay healthy for a full yeah. season. Yeah, good player, very good, good player. player but, very good player, but, but yeah. can't, just can't stay fit, it seems. I mean, uh, he, he was really good in that uh, game against uh, Inter Milan behind closed doors, but apart from that, he hasn't really done much for Juventus. And uh, if I'm United and I'm kind of looking to continue this policy of buying under 25 players that can kind of grow with the team, the likes of uh, Maguire, uh, Bissaka, um, Bruno Fernandes, uh, they've brought McTominay back up from the academy, done really well. The, it's got to be a cash deal. Yeah, if but, you're United, it's got to be cash for Pogba. Otherwise, I'm sorry. but but I mean, this is the this is the time where you can get the most cash for him. So if you're right. getting like a, a Ramsey instead, then I don't know if they've got much time for that. United, I mean. You know, if you're Real Madrid and you throw in some actually really interesting pieces, maybe a Asensio or a um, or a Jovic, maybe Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale. You know, I don't know. Gareth Bale, I think, fits maybe more in the kind of Ramsey bracket. But those are the kind of players that maybe you're at United. You're like, okay, well, we take sixty million and we take Asensio. Mm, that's not too bad. We take that's not bad. Uh, yeah, we take you know sixty million and we take um, uh, Luka Jovic, maybe yeah, Jovic. or someone like that. Like, but Juventus, on the other hand, I think it's got to be. You know, uh, you know, a Dybala, but a Desky. Um, I mean, uh, there's there's Here's a load the of thing. players. Here's the thing, though, is that if you look at Juventus's like squad and their structure, their players, like Dybala is not going anywhere. I think he's going to get a, a nice yeah. extension. He's going to stay. I think he he's earned it. He didn't want to go to Manchester United. He wants to stay and be like yeah. an icon for Juve. Bernadeschi's value in stock has dropped so much. They maybe it's a maybe million. it's a Demiral then maybe. Maybe it's a play Maybe, like that, you know. But even then, though, is if you're United, would you part with a guy like Paul Pogba um, in this time for a guy like Demerol, who, yes, he's young, he's got a lot of promise um, from what we have seen, but he's coming back from a big injury. I don't know. That's risky, right? So I, I pro- I'd probably take about 70 million in Demerol. I don't know. Uh, hey, listen, would. I think that wouldn't be a bad idea at all. I mean, you would have Lindelof, you'd have Bailly, you would have, I mean, maybe one of those players kind of sacrificed. But I, the, point, the point I'm trying to make is that I think if you're united, you can't sit here and with good conscience and you can sell this to your fans and say, we're going to take like this ridiculous like package of like, you know, uh, excess like reject players, you know, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> and give you Paul Pogba. Like for me, if I'm united, it's maybe one player, but it's mostly money. It's, it, it, it can't think, be like three players, two players, and it can't be that. I think United are waiting to see whether or not they can get um, their hands on Jaden Sancho. Because I think you get Sancho and you lose Pogba. You soften the blow of selling a guy like Paul Pogba for like a little bit less than maybe what you bought him for if you can get a guy like Because at the end of the day, right, you know, if, 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 you've, if Manchester United are losing out on a certain player, they can't get, get this one, can't get that one. But you could say, hey, like we saw Pogba, like we all knew, like his time maybe was probably done here. Mm. Like we got Sancho. Like mm. it's something that fans could kind of get on board with. But if you just make, if you just, you know, uh, initiate a, a poor deal for a guy like Paul Pogba, which when you bought him at the time, you thought, okay, well, if we saw him in a couple of years, we're getting a guy for, we're going to sell him for 150 to 200. His stock has taken a little bit of a hit. So I think they would be lucky to kind of break even on him, maybe sell him for a little bit more. Mm. But, you know, I think if you're looking, if I'm a United fan, and I know many of them, I'm sure you do as well, even with his kind of falling out and not being quite like the player that many thought he would be um, at, at, at the second phase of his, of his United career, I think they would say, okay, well, it's got to be like 100. Like, it's got to be cash. Like, it's got to be money. And I think for those high-caliber players, 
most mm. of the time, I think teams will say it's got to be cash. Like, I don't mm. think they'd take some sort of like package deal and, and all that stuff because it's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Like with cash, you have the operation to flip that cash towards a guy like Sancho who could be a fundamental big-time player for you for the future. That, again, to your point, Pat, that aligns with the model of like the under 25 that they can kind of build like some sort of like – you know, trend in a direction where they can build some sort of dynasty to compete with City and you know, Liverpool and, you know, so on and so forth. So I think that's kind of what the approach is going to be. But you never know what's going to happen with Madrid. I think that's, you know, obviously, you know, right there, those two teams are going to be neck and neck to get his signature. Mm. Let's see what happens. Well, Matt, I think we've probably gone longer than we thought we were going to go considering the, the list of subjects that I think yeah. we went back with on WhatsApp. But where can people find out more about you and us? Find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. I'm hoping to get back to my normal writing duties, but of course the podcast, I'm promoting it there. Any guests we're having on, of course, Sky to Football Handbook's new uh, volumes coming out. I'm featured in that. Make sure you guys are uh, supporting them, subscribing to their subscription or buying a one-off magazine. And um, yeah, there's a lot of good prospects that always tend to fly up in those magazines. So make sure you guys are supporting them. It's very, uh, very inexpensive, but there's a lot of good content. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it just on Twitter. Mm, awesome. Uh, you can find me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. I think we're probably going to have some video content coming in the state of play world in the next four or so weeks, uh, depending when I can get my crap together. And um, I've also, I'm about to start a football manager um, series on YouTube and other brands. So keep your eye out from that. I'll definitely plug it from my Twitter and the state of play one as well. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. Uh, and yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Everyone hope you keep uh, staying safe, social distancing and all that jazz. Please wash your hands uh, and yeah, stay safe everyone. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>